The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. The next stop on the StarCityGames.com Open Series is coming up this weekend in Seattle, Washington. On July 23rd and 24th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out in the standard Legacy and Draft Opens and compete for the glory, the money, and the prestige of moving up the ranks in the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Seattle, and we'll see you there. Everybody and welcome to episode 73 of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco, and I'm Big Head Joe. And today, I think we're going to talk mostly about Standard, mostly about Star City Games uh, Cincinnati this past weekend. Uh, we have the new format. That Joe was just saying before the show, we have our format for the summer. So uh, that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about this episode. A couple other things. Um, so uh, let's just I guess get right into it. So you saw what won. Uh, in standard this past weekend. Yeah. Again. <laughs> again, call. I mean, I, I don't know what more it's going to take for, to get them to ban Jace and like Stoneforge Mystic. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, wait, they're, they're already banned. I don't, I don't Oh, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Wizards, obviously you banned the wrong cards. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not true. Let, let, uh, you know, let me, let me say something about this because, you know, obviously I was someone who was, uh, Supporting the bands the whole way, or at least, you know, um, supporting at least one of the bands mm-hmm. the entire way. Um, Callblade is a great deck. Callblade is a great deck uh, with or without either one of those cards. Um, does it make me, like, upset as someone who wanted them to ban those cards to, uh, you know, weaken Callblade? Does it make me upset that Callblade won? No. You know, like, this is a testament to the power of the deck, and I think it's a great thing. You know, I don't think that anything else needs to be banned. You know, I don't think that this is a bad thing. Um, And I don't think that, like, they banned the wrong cards or anything. I think that they got it right. I think that they just banned the cards that would make something like Callblade fair. I mean, it's still blue-white control. It's still a powerful strategy, you know? It's really not even blue-white control. I mean, that's actually another thing, like... uh... This isn't. I mean, there is still the caw and the blade still here, so that's I guess a valid reason to call it caw blade. It is basically what's left of the deck. Uh, it's a new evolution based on the cards we have available. Um, but really, it's it's not even the same deck. I mean, because it's the same colors and has birds and swords in it. Like that's really that's that's the that's where the similarities kind of end. I mean, th- this deck. This is more like a blue-white blue, aggro deck, um, which, in a way, Callblade was, but I think it had more of a control element when it had Jace and Stoneforge, uh, Jace specifically. But, I mean, this has Blade Splicer and Hero of Bladehold, four of each of those. Neither of those were in the deck before. In, in fact, those are pre- pretty much what took the place of Jace and Stoneforge Mystic, and those are... Uh, Don't forget that the heroes took 
the place of a batter skull too, probably, or at least yeah. one. You're right. There's no batter skull either. So um, no batter skull in the 75. Uh, by the way, for for uh, for posterity's sake, since we didn't say the winner's name, uh, the the tournament was won by Tim Paskowski, who I believe is actually semi-local. You know, I like that. Yeah. So pretty cool. He he came in third at the uh, invitational at one of the invitational grinders back in Indianapolis and. In, uh, last month um and he's uh yeah he plays in rockville ptqs he's already got uh he's got a sixth place and an eighth place finish listed here on star city uh for two rockville ptqs and then uh 12th place at the uh at the standard open in indianapolis last month um play in callblade so did you also see this jun deck that uh that top aided no okay it came in third place i mean it's it's jund because of the colors other Wait. than that, <laughs> other than that, it's not obviously. No, I had to young. look at it. I looked at it at least. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's got Phyrexian Revoker, Solemn Simulacrum, and Worm Coil Engine, um, and then Grave Titan, Grim Lava Mancer, and Lotus Cobra. That's all the creatures in the deck. So conspicuously missing Bloodbraid Elf, and like, <laughs> you know, so I don't know what the deal Savage is there. Savage Lands. Yeah, where's where's the Savage Lands? But no, it's got a three Garrick Primal Hunter in it. And then uh, Dismember, Go for the Throat, and Lightning Bolt as some, like, removal. Despise, Duress, Inquisition of Kozilek, Memoricide. So, kind of a cool-looking you know, deck. You know what I was thinking about uh, hmm. last night, actually? Uh, because I, for some reason, I've been trading for a bunch of Jund cards for, like, extended Jund. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting it ready, you know? <laughs> just getting it ready. It's coming up. Um, how good is Dismember going to be off of Bloodbraid Elf? Oh, my lord. I mean, it's just another removal spell. I mean, it's going to be pretty much as good as a Terminate, or actually probably not as good as a Terminate, but almost. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I wonder if you run it over Terminate just because of the color requirements. You know, when you actually don't Cascade into it, I would say this member would be better in that case because you can just play it for one, or you can pay the black if you have it. Do you think you run Dismember over, like, Lightning Bolt in the deck or something? I don't know. Uh, I feel like Bolt has a lot of versatility, especially against Planeswalkers. It kind of depends on the on the format, you know what I mean, on the on the rest of the the metagame. But um, I think Bolt gives you that kind of just just another way to fight Planeswalkers. I feel like, although Bloodbraid Elf is pretty damn good at that, <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, Bloodbraid Elf's good at it. Sprouting Thronex isn't too bad. Well, creatures. Future I mean, that's what we've said. There's no reason to ever ban a planeswalker as long as yeah. there's creatures in the format. So, right. you know, what what the heck? No, I don't I don't I don't I don't get scared of planeswalkers. You know, not when I have a bunch of dudes to turn sideways and there's nothing like protecting those planeswalkers. Yeah, uh so let's uh let's go over the rest of these decks here and then we'll we'll come back to talking a little bit more about bannings. Okay. Um so I just just want to run down some of the the decks, because as you said, or as we said, uh, this is our format for the summer. Uh, this is the first peak we have of the the format up until we get uh, Innistrad and we lose Zendikar block um, and M10 or uh, M11. So Callblade first place, Vampire second place. So that's kind of been pretty frequent over the past few months. Uh, yeah, Jund, which is. A surprise, kind of. Uh, I mean, I, I would call it a surprise. I didn't expect a Jund color deck to show up. Um, and no. then we've got Caleb Durwood playing uh, Blue White Pure Steel. And then, Which is what I'm building, Yeah, by and, the way. 
David Shields playing uh, in fifth place playing Tempered Steel. So obviously people are really onto the Tempered Steel thing. Um, just as a, a footnote to last week's episode, we were talking to Brad and he was talking about play himself like playing around with a, a current like Neo Callblade list. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I so I I happened to send him a message on Facebook saying, "Hey, I was just curious if you would." send me the list you've been working with because I was kind of curious. And uh, and he said, he said, the deck was really good pre-M12. Don't think it's great now. White Steel is the deck to play, I think. So Brad was also on that that uh, that train, the Tempered Steel list. Um, Pyro Twin in sixth place. So this deck obviously has the, the Pyromancer Ascension combo and the Splinter Twin combo. But as we were talking about that last week too, about kind of, if anything, you seem it seems like you'd want to split the combo, like one in the sideboard, one in the main, and then they have they don't know how to sideboard. Uh, you kind of transform as a possibility, or at least go with one of the strategies over the other, uh, and then then forego the other one entirely. But this person, uh, this is uh, Jason yeah, Hager. Both in the main deck. Yeah, Jason Hager puts them both right in the main deck: Deceiver, Exarch, Pyromancer, Ascension, Splinter Twin, and then Burst Lightning into the Royal Mana Leak, Cataxian Probe, Ponder, Preordain. Uh, and it, it performed well enough for uh, for Jason uh, yes. to take sixth place. Um, ben Friedman, another local guy, yeah, seventh place playing Callblade, and his uh, yeah his list slightly different. He was playing some Mirren Crusaders, uh, an extra sort of Feast and Famine, um, only three Blade Splicers instead of uh, four. But Oblivion Ring uh, making a comeback, uh, showing up in both decks uh, after being printed in M12. Pretty awesome. I'm really happy to see that. Um, Tim Paskowski was playing uh, one copy of Elspeth in the main uh, alongside two Gideons, and Ben was just going with the two Gideons, or going with three Gideons. Yeah. So pretty cool. Uh, one card in, uh, in Ben's sideboard, three copies of Timely Reinforcements. Mm-hmm. It's Lovely. a real deal. I love I it. I think that uh, didn't uh, Edgar have uh, two copies of it in his main? Uh, he may have. I I haven't seen Edgar. Looking list. at it right now. Is yes, it? he had yeah. two copies of Timely Reinforcements in the main deck. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's a good card. I knew uh, that card was coming. Like I knew that was. Yeah. Like, as soon coming. as we were talking about it on the podcast, it was like kind of like as we were talking. It, I was like more and more convincing myself. I think that I really liked it. It was like one of my favorite cards in the set. Yeah. It's brutal. Um, um, although I did have I did have somebody um, actually Mark Mark Frias mm-hmm. um, was playing against uh, me and Gary on uh, uh, at the launch party at uh, Lloyd's launch party. I went to Lloyd's launch party at uh, um, God. What's the name of that story works at? Alternate Worlds. Okay. So uh, we were up at Alternate Worlds. Me and Gary were playing in the uh, launch party there, uh, two-headed giant sealed. Uh, we were Angel Summoner and the BMX Bandit was our team name. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, we had to play against Mark and uh, – uh, I can't remember the guy's name who, who he was with. But anyway, um, Mark cast Timely Reinforcements and then put out tokens. We were like, wait a minute. We have an even number of creatures. And he looked. He was like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. You have to be careful. Like, I, that's yeah. what uh, I think, um, you know, the, the whole thing is you need to have less creatures and less life to get both of those bonuses. So Yeah. Three mana for six life is not good. If anyone has ever listened to Mike Flores speak, <laughs> you would know this. But, yeah. um I mean, speaking of Mike, he wrote about the uh, – he's been writing about the, the Tempered Steel deck in his uh, his article this week. 
Pure Steel Paladin, uh, definitely a card to again we've we've talked about it before you've been playing with it and i think it's I have 12 just, copies of it well there you go <laughs> you can't put those all in the same deck though you know that we, why you were just planning on running like a bunch of pure steel paladins and equipment weren't you yeah <laughs> uh but yeah check out <laughs> check out mike's article it's called the great white gap uh going over the uh, the pure steel paladin and kind of tempered steel decks. I mean, I, I guess I lump them together, but uh, technically they're different decks. I don't really know why. I guess they're just white decks that play like artifacts, and I keep considering them like, oh, they're the same thing, right? Like, no, not, not really at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, totally building the blue-white pure steel deck, by the way. And Nate P's, uh, I think we were, were we on 12th? Or did I skip ahead to the deck I wanted to look at? Uh, no, we weren't on 12th yet because I didn't get to 8th yet. Damn. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, 8th place was a Tempered Steel list, which, you know, same thing as Pure Steel Paladin, right? Yeah. I mean, Steel in the name, White deck. It's got Steel in the name. It's White. Uh, sometimes there's some creatures in it. Yeah, it's the same damn deck. Yeah, so uh, Grixis Twin in ninth place, which is kind of a, a sort of another shock. Uh, I guess it's not not anywhere near as much of a shock as seeing like Jund, but people that were going with Splinter Twin uh, tended to go with Blue Red since uh, since Flores won that TCG player event. Um, another Callblade in tenth, another Callblade in eleventh. Eleventh, that's uh, Edgar Flores. Twelfth place, Blue White Pure Steel. Nate Pease. Wait, Edgar Flores was playing Callblade. I know he completely changed his strategy from playing Jason Stoneforge Mystic to playing uh, Hawks and Swords. I don't know what. I mean, I guess it was the Bannings. So, um, yeah, Nate Pease, twelfth uh, place, Blue White Pure Steel. Did you want to talk about that? I'm. Uh, it's basically. I mean, he's basically running the same list. He's just running um, running an Apostles Blessing in the main. And I think an extra dispatch, and he cut some spell for it. I don't know which one. one well, they both have four dispatch. Uh, Caleb and, and oh, okay. if that's who you're comparing it to. Caleb actually top eighted in Legacy, and he won the Legacy event. So top eighting both events, pretty impressive. Pretty sweet. Not that uh, many people have done that. Jerry T's done that. Um, uh, Edgar Flores, I believe, has also done that. But you know, it's a it's a short list. Yeah. Top eighting both events, um, winning okay. one and top eighting the other. So go ahead. I'm just trying to figure out what's different in between these two decks. Is it the I think uh, uh quarter shield maybe? Is the quarter shield look, cut? Are you you're on the uh the Nate P's list, right? Look now at I am. scroll down to the bottom. It says compare this deck against blue white pure steel by Caleb Durward. It's at the bottom <laughs> of the deck and you can just compare. Oh. It's a well, then. it's a neat little feature they have. So that it, it yeah, lines the quarter shield is different than the like the apostles blessing. That's yeah, the only difference. I that, think. That's it. It is. Yeah, main deck differences is a quarter shield for apostles blessing. So like uh, Caleb is playing the quarter shield. Yeah, but I like apostles blessing a lot. Um, sideboards are a, a little more different, but even that, it's like flash freeze and spell skite. Over dismember and negate. That's Caleb's choices. So right. like, it's it, negate, flash freeze, very similar. Spellskite, dismember can play similar roles against a uh, against Splinter Twin combo. Obviously, you're trying to stop the combo. Uh, you can see they're they're extremely similar decks. And uh, one came in fourth, and one came in twelfth. And you, you know maybe those these guys actually worked a little together. And and uh, and oh, I'm sure they did. I'm really sure similar list. Yeah. Um, and then finally. Uh, also in 12th place, which is a little bit confusing. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I just noticed that. Uh, Garrett Young with 
the uh, the the boogeyman everybody's so scared of Valak at twelfth yep. place and thirteenth place apparently as well. Like so, to to Garrett Young, Ryan Baker both playing Valak uh, and didn't even place in top eight. Uh, that deck, it's like you know, don't believe the hype. I guess it's still a good deck. No, 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 no. I don't think it's don't believe the hype. I just think that what it comes down to is, you know, yes, Valakut is a part of your metagame. You yeah, know, that's, yeah, that's yeah, what it comes yes. down to. It's like, yes, this card, this deck is part of Magic right now. Right, like, but the, the hype... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, it's yeah. fine. The, the, the hype is that people thought it was going to be, like, unbeatable. You know, or it was going to dominate the top eight. You're going to have four copies of it in the top eight. Like, good job banning Jace. You know, now Valakut's just going to dominate. Like, I think it being part of the metagame wasn't questionable at all. Like, I don't think. Yeah, but that's would... you know, that's the uh, the stuff that uh, that prevents people from brewing. What is that called? Oh yeah, bitching. Yep. You know what I mean? Like. That's basically what that is. You know, like, that's people going, oh, now you maybe have to think about magic cards instead of just slapping the same deck together every week. Uh, bad things are going to happen. Everything's ruined. Like, you know. <laughs> Aaron Forsyth is the devil. You know, like, all that kind of stuff. And, like, uh, you just need to, like, look at the format and do something about it. You know, like, you have surgical extraction. Valak, it's not that good anymore. Like... You know, like you just yeah, have. I mean, obviously, there, there's plenty of. The thing is, everybody knows about it. Too. Everybody expected it to be big, so I think everybody was prepared for it. So it didn't do as well. Now, I would almost go as far as saying uh, this weekend in Seattle, Valakit, a Valakit list places better, because um, maybe not in Seattle. Then, uh, if not Seattle, then like next week uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, w- I think if people keep showing up. Or people keep seeing top eights where Valakit didn't show up or it wasn't so big of a deal. They start to shave out the uh, surgical extractions out of their sideboards or their, you know, maybe they don't play spreading seas or so many copies or something. You know, just the cards that they that they have there for Valakit, they start to uh, to cut back on those in favor of cards that are going to deal with something like tempered steel. You know, and then Valakit says, "Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for taking those cards out. Now I can uh, now I can win." So right. I'm not saying it's going to just suddenly dominate. I'm just going to say I think – I'd say in the next two weeks we'll see a Valakit list place higher than 12th. How's that? That's – I'm just going to call – you know, that, that seems like a pretty easy call in, in my opinion. But, um, you know, I, I think that's how it's going to go. Um, rounding out the top 16, we have Rug, Twin Pod. Birthing Pod decks are really getting kind of popular. I think so many people want to break that card. I know Travis, your roommate, obviously uh, running a Bug uh, Birthing Pod deck, which he, yeah. was, he was doing a number on me. I was playing Blue Black Control on Thursday, and uh, I was having a lot of trouble beating him. But until I kind of – after a few games, I think I kind of figured out uh, how, to, how to deal with him, like how to deal with the – the deck really it just came down to like oh i uh, <laughs> i played that um life's finale <laughs> and removed all his frost titans from his deck nice so that was uh that was definitely just clinching a win uh i mean he he plays frost titan and i'm like i can mana leak that <laughs> but i'd rather just let it i'm gonna let it resolve and play life's finale like that seems way better so that's uh, so awesome yeah so that was frost titan was frost titan is a beating against uh 
against my deck. I mean, I was playing uh, the blue-white list that Chapin posted in his article, I think, last Monday. Um, I had already been playing... Did I say blue-white? I meant blue-black. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I've been playing blue-black, but... Uh, and and my, my list was a few cards off from what Patrick had suggested. I, I had the Spreading Seas main deck at first, but um, I decided to give his exact 75 a try, and... Um, it's fun playing Worm Coil Engine and Solemn Simulacrum. I love that card. I'm so glad it's back. Like I feel like I appreciate it now more than I ever did, and I loved it back in in standard, you know, in 2003, 2004. Like, yeah, so happy to have that card back. Um, but uh, and then two blue white control lists in the uh, in 15th and 16th place. Um, so interestingly, no blue black control. Uh, I'm I'm kind of surprised because it seems like a lot of people were playing that, but. Maybe, yeah. maybe, again, a lot of people were prepared for it. Um, seems like there's a lot of directions you can take blue-white, or at least compared to blue-black. I mean, there's you can take blue-black in a couple different directions, too. There's Tezzeret lists, but... Uh, I'm, I'm going to build... Um, I'm, I'm going there, by the way. I'm going to build uh, the Shape Anew Blightsteel awesome. deck awesome. with the Blade Splicers and oh, so you, Master's yeah, you, Call. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, when you said you're going there, I thought you were talking like a Tezzeret cooled off a Forgemaster Blightsteel deck. Nope. No, you mean shape a new blue-white. Blue-white, yeah. You're saying there's a lot of different directions blue-white can go in. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I would no lo- doubt. like to see how that works. Um, I'm just really excited. I think like Gideon is is so good now, and obviously he's showing up in the call bla- the, the Neoblade list. I mean, these aren't really Callblade. Like I said, they're, they're the, you know... The real call bladey was uh, <laughs> what we saw before the bannings, right? All these right. other call bladers are just imitating. Um, <laughs> you correct, sir. Venser, yeah, two copies of Venser in the 15th place list and in the 16th place list. Um, Gideon Karn in both lists, one copy. Um, the, the 15th place list, Matthew Woolham, um, he's got a kind of interesting looking list. He's got a lot of planeswalkers. Two Venser, one Karn, three Jace Bellerin, two Gideon Jura, and one El- Elspeth Tyrell. So like Jeez. and then another Elspeth on the sideboard. So that's a lot of planeswalkers. And he's got like Batterskull um Contagion Clasp. Nice uh proliferate on your planeswalkers action there. One consecrated Sphinx, four Tumble Magnet, also good with the Contagion Clasp. Four Wall of Omens, two Spreading Seas. And so, uh, yeah, Venser, Blinking, Contagion Clasp, is repeatable removal, proliferating on your Tumble Magnet, and your Planeswalkers, I mean, seems really good. So, at, here, here we are a month out. Today's July 19th, and we're uh, roughly a month out from the bannings uh, being announced, anyway. And so we've had some time to, like, let it sink in. And... Um, and also, at the same time, we have M12, and uh, and we, you know, had a lot of time to think about the cards now, and we have even had this tournament. So, this is our format, and I guess after letting this all sink in for this amount of time, I'm kind of um, actually less excited about Standard than I thought I would be. I'm kind of more frustrated about the bannings than I was initially. I've actually kind of changed my mind, changed my perspective a little bit, um, in the opposite direction, which is exact, which is totally the opposite of what I would have expected. I would have thought my initial reaction would have been like, kind of like an anger or a frustration. And then I would have come around, but it's actually gone in the reverse. And I'm kind of like, okay, so you're printing 
Oblivion Ring, which would have been nice, you know, if uh, if we would have had that when Jace was around. And Grim Lava Mancer, also pretty good against Planeswalkers and 1-2s. Um, mm. Like, uh, but I mean, I guess Wizards didn't realize these cards were being printed in M12, and that's why they banned these, you know, Jace and, and Stoneforge Mystic. Um, I'm not necessarily saying they shouldn't have banned them, but it kind of makes me frustrated when, it, when I see... Answers as qu- as quality as Grim Lava Mancer and Oblivion Ring, the cards that people – well, at least Oblivion Ring is a card that people were clamoring for when they were complaining about Jace. We don't have Oblivion Ring. You know, Oblivion Ring was a card that was specifically mentioned that we don't have so we couldn't fight Jace. And they knew it was coming. I don't understand. Like I, I'm kind of like – especially for Jace, I, I'm not really sure – why that was necessary. Like I, after knowing what's in an M12 and after kind of thinking about it a little bit more at one point, I don't know if you read this article, but, uh, M12 was supposed to have Jace, the mind sculptor in it. That really? Was, that was in that slot, uh, which, all right. Jace, the mind sculptors, uh, one of his kind of drawbacks or in the public, opi- uh, you know, in the public eye, I guess, in a lot of public opinion was that he was so expensive. This would have, already like if if that would have happened if he would have been printed in m12 that would have helped solve that issue helped address that issue Uh, oblivion ring helps the address the issue that like you know actually fighting the card um grim lava mancer also does mono red getting really good recently also keeps him down i mean was jace a problem when Bloodbraid elf was around like no so I, I get – I'm kind of frustrated when I think shouldn't the solution not be banning? Shouldn't the solution be printing answers when you know you're printing a powerful card? They knew Jace was powerful and I think the mistake wasn't printing him. It was not printing enough viable answers and it frustrates me when they saw, OK, this card's going to be powerful. OK, it's getting kind of out of hand. Maybe we should print answers and they didn't or it was too late. I, I, I don't know. These are just some things I was thinking about recently. I don't think Wizards even thinks printing Jace was a mistake necessarily. But I guess in banning it, it almost seems like that's exactly what they're saying. Yeah, but I mean, I, I almost feel like banning Jace was kind of throwing people a bone more than, you know, their actual, you know, feelings on the card. Like, because I'm sure that, like, I don't know. I don't want to put words in people's mouths. But, I mean, I, I see why it was banned. I, I don't disagree with it being banned. Um, I wouldn't have banned it myself, you know, but I don't know. I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, like, yeah, we can't really go back. Yeah, we can't I'm- say, well, you know, we 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 changed our mind. We're not going to ban this. Oh, crap, we forgot about Oblivion Ring. <laughs> like, that would be the, the, the name of the article yeah. uh, on, on DailyMTG.com. <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, Oblivion Ring. Yeah. Uh, Chase the Mind Sculptor's unbanned. Like, I don't know. But, like, you're still, like, I don't know. I mean, what, what decks are running Oblivion Ring that aren't also going to be running Chase the Mind Sculptor anyway? So I mean, like, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I fact, obviously the format would be a little different if Jace was in it, you know. But I, of I'm, course. I, I'm just saying they, uh, they banned these two cards. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with it. It sounds like I am. I guess I'm just questioning it more now than I was before. I'm questioning it more now 
that I see the more answers to Jace. The again, one of the exact answers people were asking for to Jace. Um, we know that there are ways to make Jace um, to to have made a format where Jace was not super powerful, was not too powerful. We had it with Bloodbraid Elf. I'm not necessarily saying they should have reprinted Bloodbraid Elf, but they know how to create cards that make Jace uh, weaker. I mean, it's, it's again, it's, I guess it's this whole rock, paper, scissors thing where it's like, okay, they have Vengevine to keep Jace in check, but then they print the Titans. And so it's almost like the mistake was printing something like the Titans and Jace and Stoneforge paid the price, or at least Jace did. Right. It's kind of odd, but I think, um, and I was listening to Untapped Cast recently, uh, Untapped Podcast with like Trick Jarrett and uh, Frank Lepore, and they had Shaheen Sarani on, um, and this is kind of what they were talking about a little bit about how Jace, um, how I think Frank had said he had a discussion with somebody that that they were saying uh, inside R and D that they were saying Jace wasn't a mistake, like they were happy with the power level. Of Jace, they knew he was powerful. That's what they wanted him to be, and you know, I I guess I agree with that. I'm glad they print powerful cards. I want to play powerful cards. I just want them to, rather than making the solution an announcement, you know, on the 20th of a month or whatever, I'd rather them, if they know a card is powerful, which they clearly did, give us some answers to it. Right. You know? It just sucks. That they have to ban something. That's all. On that topic, on the topic of bannings, and I'm I'm just gonna jump right over the uh, the legacy talk. We'll, maybe we'll save that for next week, unless you well, want to touch on. I, well, I just want to point out an interesting fact that there were no blue white Stoneforge decks in the top sixteen. Yeah, you know what? Let's uh, let's let's look at that again because I have it up. I have the the lists. I'm look. Yeah, I'm up, looking yeah. at it too right now. So technically, first place was Manalus Dredge. Nicholas Roche playing uh, playing Manalus Dredge. Um, though it, this is a little bit confusing because Caleb is pictured as the winner on the page. I know it was something to do with some sort of split, uh, prize split. Caleb is listed as the winner on the the main coverage page and on the deck list uh, page. He's listed as second place, but either way, those guys made it to the finals. Caleb Durward, Blue Zoo was his deck, and this is kind of an interesting list. He's got, obviously, the zoo kind of uh, thing happening. Grim Lava Mancer, Knight of the Reliquary, Noble Hierarch, Kasali Pride Mage, Tarmogoyf, Wild Nacatl. I mean, that's that's zoo. I mean, it's, it's, it's not... There's no blue guys there. But then it's got Brainstorm, Lightning Bolt, of course, Mental Misstep, Swords of Plowshares, three Jace, and three Green Sun Zenith. So this is a really kind of neat list. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously it's an aggro deck, but it's got the option. I mean, it's got Jace the Mind Sculptor in it. It's like even the aggro decks are playing Jace in the Legacy. Yep. Yeah, and like you said, no uh, no blue-white Stoneforge lists or blue-white control lists or blue-white-black control lists. Yeah, or the Esper Blade lists um, in the top 16 at all. The closest is uh, mono-blue control, Ruben Bressler playing that, which I believe is Cronenberger Blue, the one that uh, are very very similar to to Chris Cronenberger's list, uh, playing the three copies of Energy Fields, uh, Energy Field in the deck, and Back to Basics, Oblivion Stone. So, I mean, it's, it's mono-blue control. It's really funny about the, what you were saying, um, calling it Cronenberger control, is that Chris Cronenberger's in 14th place playing Rug. Yeah. 
<laughs> and running four blood braid elf in the main deck. Oh my god. That is awesome. That is so sick. Um Yes. That is so weird. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh so yeah, I mean legacy looking as healthy as ever. Junk depths. Did you see this? Brian Boss yeah, in third place. Uh, with it's just a junk deck with uh with hex mage depths combo in there, light from the loam, living wish. That's pretty cool. Like again, I mean legacy. It's just people are constantly innovating, constantly making new new list blue zoo and junk depths. I mean it was like hey this deck's pretty good, but Mike Flores said it's, said it's unplayable. Well, why don't we put Jace in it? Okay, now it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Their, their first question, obviously, was, well, why don't we put Civic Wayfinder in there? And then they were like, nah, that sounds pretty bad. And then they were like, okay, how about Jace? Okay. And then, and then Mike, Mike might still like that. Yeah, I think they had to cut the Pilgrim's Eyes uh, from, yeah. from the main deck, I think. So. Um, but yeah, Manalus Dredge in first place and then another Dredge list in seventh place. So two Dredges in the top eight. Um a more classic zoo in eighth place, mono blue Ruben Bressler in sixth place, hive mind in fifth place, uh, Ben Weinberg playing that, uh, hive mind, obviously showing it's, uh, showing up in a lot of tournaments recently. And then no rug piloted by Alex Burton, who switched from the fish to, uh, to play natural order progenitus, which that's a deck that I'm really excited to play with. I'm, I'm putting it together as well. Oh, cool. Like, I, I really like that. I want to play Natural Order Progenitus, and I feel like No Rug is obviously the deck to, to play it. I feel like it looks really... looks like a really solid deck. And it's been a, been around for a while. It's not uh, not anything totally new. I think Alex has actually been playing that deck for a couple of months now instead of Fish. Yeah, I mean, it's at least been a couple of tournaments um, that he's played No Rug. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying this was the first time. He definitely had been playing it before. <laughs> So uh, what I was going to get into before, but we kind of jumped around a little bit. I wanted to talk about legacy, but um, talking about we were talking about bannings, and um, BDM has been talking a little bit. Brian David Marshall, had, I think he brought it up on Twitter, but also on one of the recent Top Eight Magic podcasts that he does with uh, Mike Flores. If you're not listening to that and you're listening to us, you're nuts. Um, so <laughs> you you listen, you clearly listen to podcasts. So you're. You gotta listen to Top Eight Magic first. Um, <laughs> um, if you listen to us and don't listen to that, you're nuts. <laughs> but uh, he's he's had some recent, like some really radical ideas recently, and and one of them involves bannings. Um, he was talking about having the, the the idea of having just bannings almost more regularly, like. Basically, bannings and unbannings every three months. Uh, obviously, what the, the benefit to doing this, the benefits, I think there are several. It shakes up the format. In addition to having new sets come out every three months, now we have – we don't know what's going to be banned. What's going to – you know, what's – what are some cards that are potentially going to be banned, you know, in this, this month? You know, you never know what's going to be banned and you never know what's going to be unbanned. So, I mean – not not to say you always unban something, but maybe you ban Jace and Stoneforge, or or just Stoneforge for a little while, and then bring it back. Obviously, I don't, I don't think it would have worked so much for Jace and Stoneforge in this case because they were being banned so late in their life. But right. um, 
But I think the idea of saying, okay, let's, uh, you know, let's just cut this card out of the format. It shakes things up, makes people completely change the metagame because if this deck isn't as big, isn't as powerful, and or it just doesn't exist anymore because of a card missing, like, say, Valakut, uh, then we don't have to worry about it. it com- a completely new metagame shows up, and then maybe it's unbanned three months later and something else is banned, and it's just, like, another way to shake up the format. Um, the other thing that this would do, and in this this particularly affects things like Jace, is that the v- card values on the secondary market would be much lower if the most powerful cards were always in danger of being banned. You know, if if the ban hammer were not so rare an occurrence, people would be much less likely to say, uh, yeah, I'm going to pay $75 for a Jason the Mind Sculptor, you know, right. to play it in standard because it, it could just be banned, you know, next month or whenever. So I just thought this was a really cool idea. Uh, as much as I just said how much I disagreed or, or was questioning the banning a few minutes ago, uh, if... It, if Wizards were to take this kind of idea of, like, let's just shake things up every three months, besides introducing a new set, let's let's ban some cards. I don't know. What did you think? I think it's a fine idea. You know, like, just kind of, like, if you de-emphasize how big of a deal the bannings are, when you ban something that's actually hurting the format, it doesn't uh, really lower consumer confidence. But all, at the same time, the one problem with that is, like one of their main reasons for wanting to avoid bannings is, you know, that they want to keep consumer confidence high. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like if they, like what I'm saying is if, if constant, if the constant threat of bannings kept the prices of powerful cards down, um, that would really like hurt some people's businesses. You're right. Yeah. And you know the, what I mean? So I don't problem, know. I mean, it's, it's the first time I've even thought of it. You know what I mean? So like, that's just the tough yeah. Excuse me. That's just off the top of my head, you know? Yeah, it's uh, the other huge problem, and I hadn't really th- thought of this until now for some reason, was, I mean, this is terrible for new players. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, what's what's legal? What's not? I don't understand, right. you know? But then, wait. But like you're saying, so this is legal now, but I should wait till Monday to see if something else is not legal? Uh, you know, it's just way too confusing. It's already, I think, confusing enough uh, to some new players. I know Ryan has been... Um, you know, he's been getting into the game and he understands it now, but I think I had to tell him a couple times, like, he, you know, he had to clarify. So, like, what rotates out and what's legal and what happens when this set comes out? And, you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit confusing. It would be just way too confusing if it was, like, uh, <laughs> cards being banned and unbanned every three months. Um, but it was a neat idea. And I think just having those kind of ideas brought up and discussed. It's kind of it's kind of fun to think about. Um, another sort of radical idea, and this was just on the most recent, actually not the most recent, because I think they released another one which I haven't gotten to yet. But uh, one of the, mo- uh, the the second most recent Top Eight Magic podcast, and this has to do with pre-releases. He's saying, why don't we just cut the pre-releases? Why don't we just do away with them? Because in the past they were always there would be a pre-release, and then it would be weeks before the set came out, m- at least more than five days you know now we have the pre-release you go to a pre-release on sunday and you can buy cards on friday um it's so having a pre-release kind of it's not as uh precious i guess to have that because it's just like well i can wait another five days you know it's these cards are just coming out 
next week. And they're basically just release tournaments that you can't buy the product at. Like instead of, instead of making a big deal about pre-releases, have that all for the release tournament and let people show up and play the cards for the first time at the release tournament. And they're all excited about the set. And they say, they go up to the counter and say, I want to buy a box and you can give them a box. And you say, Oh, I cracked open these boxes. We have singles. If you need singles, like the whole pre-release thing becomes so much more exciting because you're able to not, that this is not only the first time you get to play with the cards, but they're all for sale too. Yeah. You're like, you're ready to roll. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're, it's exciting because you just have the cards. Um, and not just what you pulled or what you were, you could manage to trade for. Um, you know, he was saying about how, uh, you know, you, you want to support local stores, but, you know, you can go to a pre-release and you play with some cards and you're like, wow, this card's really good. I need to get more of these or I want to buy a box. This set's awesome. I really like M12. I can't buy it at the store. So I go home and I'm just on the internet and I'm reading Star City or whatever. I'm reading articles and I happen to see like the link on the side that says pre-order a box of M12 now. Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to buy it right now and it'll ship to me. You know, the the impulse buy, you you can't even capitalize on it as a store because you can't sell the product. And then you lose business to people who decide to impulse buy when they're sitting in front of their computer at home, which is obviously more and more frequently uh, people buying through the through the internet, you know. So, I mean, myself included, I don't really buy any cards from brick and mortar stores. It just just doesn't happen. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the other thing is, there's a lot of tr- a lot of complaints about the pre-releases. Like, I showed up to a store and they didn't have enough product for me. I showed up to a store, they didn't have a pre-release, or you know, my area doesn't have a pre-release, and it just becomes like more of a headache. You know, why not just make it consistent and just say all the stores get the cards at the same time and can sell them and have as many release events as they want. So I really like that idea. And that one I feel like is much more, uh, (laughs) much more practical than the, the more frequent bannings one, but it was a cool idea. I've been sitting here silent this whole time listening to what you have to say. Uh-huh. I have never agreed with an idea more in my entire <laughs> life. Like, death to the pre-release. Oh, my God. I cannot, like, death to pre-releases. And, and you know that that's not something I would that I take lightly. You know right. what I mean? I mean, that, that, you, one of the reasons I brought it up was because you run pre-releases. So but you and I your... love pre-releases, oh, you know, yeah. more than like more than anything. You know, you and I love pre-releases. They're like some of our favorite tournaments to go to. Uh, just one of the best experiences I've ever had, especially regional pre-releases. Right, it's the big are pre-releases great too. But if I they're love, going, yeah. if they're going to da- like get rid of the regional pre-releases they've really killed most of the allure of the pre-release for me anyway you know and you're so right about like all these restrictions and all this you know annoying stuff you have to follow and not being able to sell any of the product five days before the product comes out like at this point it's just useless it's just a tournament that makes your launch party have less people you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's actually more trouble than it's worth. It seems like because people wait, are obviously well, excited to play the cards. I would rather have like I would rather like just hold my launch party until the Sunday after the set comes out, and have like you know a huge launch party. 
Right. I mean, you can have launch, you can have launch parties or release events, whatever you want to call them, starting Thursday night at midnight and then just run them all the way through Sunday. You know, <laughs> like if you have enough product, you can just run as many of whatever your store wants. Do you guys want to play sealed? Do you want to play draft? It doesn't matter. We have all this product and we, you can buy it and draft and sealed and Winston draft and whatever you want to do, you know, <laughs> like pack wars. Gone draft. Uh, wait, <laughs> but yeah, it just seemed like a really, really solid idea. And, um, uh, to me, the allure of the pre-release was, it was an event because like, you know, like you said, it's a big event, it's casual. So you don't have really this pressure on you. Like, you're just like, Hey, cool. I get to go and see a bunch of people. I don't see that often. And I get to play with the new cards. Like that was huge. It was like those two elements. Like it was an, it was a thing to look forward to every three months. Um, in fact, when we used to go, it was less than that because we didn't go to core set pre-releases because it was all reprints. So when between spring and fall, like the fall set pre-release was so exciting. I still like every fall, like in my head, like I have these memories of going to old pre-releases. Uh, I just start thinking about that, but it was this huge event where you get to play with the new cards and you get to, you know, drive an hour away or something. And they're taking the the drive part away. So now it's just like, oh, so you go to your local store and play with the new cards. So it's like, oh, cool. I get to still play with my new cards, well, you know, with the new cards. That's exciting. But still, like, I, I'm if you're not – if with less players, there's less chance of getting the cards you want. Like I show up to the – the pre-release, and I want four Garrick Primal Hunter. Well, odds are four Garricks aren't even going to be open in the room. There's chances that one might not even be open, you know? Right. <laughs> like, and, you know, two, maybe one or two are opened, and one of those guys doesn't want to trade it, and you're like, well, now I just got to wait or go online and pre-order it. And right. It just seems like a much better idea. And you you get you can still do the promo thing. I mean, it would actually be less promos, I guess, because you just have a pre-release promo. But, I mean, you could do – they could do any number of things with promos. They can say this is the pre-release promo that everybody gets and this is the pre-release promo that the top eight gets like they do for game day. You know? Seems like uh, – Right. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with an idea more ever. Like <laughs> this is the best idea. Yeah. I mean I didn't go to the M11 pre-release and I didn't go to the M12 pre-release. Partly it's because I had other things going on. But I didn't feel bad about missing either one of those. I mean, it's also right. like half of the set is reprints too, so I guess that's something. But uh, I mean, I guess just all these things combined made me feel like, oh, I'm missing the pre-release. <laughs> no, I, I didn't feel one part of like one bit of emotion that I was missing the the pre-release because I'm like, well, it's not a big pre-release. Like I, I, right. I, the only it would just be the normal emotion that like, hey, I'm not playing Magic, you know, like whatever, right, whatever right, that right. is. Like I would like to be playing Magic right now. Like that, any, that that happens like every weekend if I'm not playing, you know. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I don't know that that's something that, that Wizards would take seriously, but I really like the idea. So I think it's a great idea. Um, get on it, Wizards! Death to the pre-release. Yeah, BDM's one to uh, you know he has he has a pretty big voice in the community, so I think that. Uh, you know, I, I wonder. I, I think he can be heard by the powers that be. I guess is is what I'm saying. So maybe that's a possibility. I'd, I'd love to hear what other people think about it. So leave us some comments on wherever Star City. We have the new uh, the new upgraded Star City page where you can leave comments via like Facebook. It's like your Facebook thing. Have you seen that? Uh, yes, I have actually. So upcoming events this weekend we have. July 23rd and 24th, Star City Games Open Series comes to Seattle. 
And uh, the commentators of that event are Gavin Verhe and Brad Nelson. Uh, Brad's first event. I'm excited to watch that. Um, we'll see if this metagame can beat Callblade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if everybody can figure out a way to beat Callblade. Um, <laughs> next weekend, July 30th and 31st, is Star City Games Open Series in Pittsburgh. Uh, weekend after that, actually the week after that, starting on August 4th all the way through the 7th, is Gen Con, featuring Magic U.S. Nationals, uh, August 5th through the 7th. That's going to be a blast. I really wish I could go there. I know you had the opportunity, but kind of financially, is, is uh, that that's not happening, right? Yeah, you could. I mean, you could always take my spot if you want. That's uh, I, I can't go. <laughs> um, and then uh, August 13th and 14th, Star City Games Open Series in Richmond, so... Uh, yeah, that's what we got coming up, and you can always find out more information about these events on StarCityGames.com and the Open Series uh, link, and any other events. Uh, all these are listed on MTGMom.com. That's where I'm always getting these from. So definitely check that out. Well, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, to Charles Johnson the uh, Third for a valiant effort getting us to Cincinnati, but the car died, so we didn't quite make it. All right, well, as always, we are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. <laughs> <laughs>